Tonight here at, at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue going through our Bible teaching and tonight's message is on the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Um, it's believed that it was written about a hundred years after the Israelites had returned from their Babylonian exile. You know, his message is directed to those that have been living in Jerusalem for some time now, you know, and you know, that the temple still, you know, the temple had been rebuilt and, you know, there was things going on, but not everything was all that great. You know, when the Israelites first returned, their hopes were high. They had, you know, belief that God was delivering them out of the hands of their oppressors, you know, and, but not everything goes the way we'd hoped, you know. You know, I hear about people when they come into recovery that they're on a pink cloud, you know, and we hear people about when they get saved that everything's amazing, you know, and without popping their pink cloud or popping their bubble, you know, reality hits, right? You know, not everything is, is always perfect. Not everything goes the way we'd hoped, you know, and <clears throat> here they are, you know, they're back in their hometown and believing that God's going to do these amazing things and, and yet... Things aren't happening as fast as they they would hoped. You know the rem- you know so Malachi is is trying to speak to them and telling them to remember all the promises that the prophets had given the Israelites. You know and that they're trying to repopulate the city. You know but they're just unfaithful. You know Malachi is addressing them. You know in this sense that you're you're as unfaithful as the generations that were before us that led us into led us into exile. You know, that you're injustice, you know, on the poor. You know, the things that you're doing are corrupt. You know, the heart of the Israelites is truly, you know, been in this broken and hardened place. And they like to argue with God. Any of us like to argue with God? No, none of us ever argue with God. How dare we? But the truth of the matter is, is that we want our way, don't we? You know, I want my way, I want it now, I want it, you know, instantly, you know, and God has a different plan. And any time that God has a different plan than what we'd think, you know, we dig our heels in, we tell him how we don't want to do it that way, and he should do it this way, and, you know, and the Israelites are doing that. You know, they don't want to, you know, worship Yahweh the way Yahweh wants to be worshipped, you know, as it's been set in the Law of Moses. They want to be able to still continue worshiping idols and, and do the things that they want to do. You know, so there's the corruption that is, you know, still remaining in Israel because it's in the hearts of the Israelites. You know, how many times do we, we try to go to church but, or we try to get sober and there's still something going on on the inside of us? We think that just because I put down substances or I, I leave the internet alone or I, I start tackling food or, you know, I make a decision that today's the day that things are going to change, that it should be easy. You know, I hear so many times, oh, why is this so hard? You know, I, I finally am trying to do it, you know, and it's sometimes it's the enemy and sometimes we're just, we're broken and stubborn and we want what we want. You know, and the Israelites want God to, to move in certain ways and, and he's not moving the way that they think. So they're constantly arguing with God and they're having these disputes, you know, that God is trying to, to make a claim in a statement 
and send this message through the prophets, but the Israelites continue to dispute the God's claim and that they want him to give them the answer that they want. You know, that it's been prophesied that the Messiah was going to come. It's been prophesied that he's going to come through the line of David. You know, it's been prophesied that they're going to, you know, be a voice to the nations. And they're just not seeing it the way they'd hoped to see it. And because God's not moving the way that they'd hoped for him to move, they rebel. They say, what's the point? I've tried this you know, I'm trying to behave, but God's not doing what I want him to do. You know, and so they continue to worship idols and, and get involved in things they shouldn't be getting involved in. You know, God over and over again is trying to expose their corruption. And finally, God confronting this corruption, you know, he's basically asking them questions. Is like, what did you learn through your time in the exile? You know, <clears throat> you know, I took many years for me to get sober. You know, I started this process when I was 19 years old, you know, and didn't want to go to meetings because everybody was really old, you know. So I decided that, you know, I'm going to continue doing things my way. You know, rehab in my early 20s, you know, started going to meetings consistently for about 30 days, thought I was fixed, went back to the bars. You know, this led to going in and out of jail, you know, and eventually outpatient treatment, probation, you know, all these different things that were trying to to put me in shackles or put restraint on me, but I didn't want to listen. I didn't want to do it their way, you know. And there's times that God confronts us to really show us what's really broken inside of us because we're still trying to do it our way. You know, my age-old saying is, I'm just trying to have fun. Why can't people leave me alone? I'm just trying to have fun. You know, but as my 20s progressed, you know, my depression and anxiety got worse and worse, and I was medicating through drugs and alcohol and sex, you know, and porn and, and food. You know, and it still wasn't getting better. You know, the more I continued to push into sin, the more I continued to go my way, the worse and worse and worse that my life would continue to be. You know, because I refused to surrender. I refused to do recovery the way people said I should do recovery. I refused to, to follow God the way people said I should follow God. You know, I just wanted to do it my way. I knew what was best for me. You know, and what continued to be exposed in me is that I was very prideful and arrogant and refused to listen and didn't know how to surrender and didn't know how to take directions and didn't, you know, know how to live a life apart from forcing my will, manipulating my will, controlling the people around me. You know, and God was strategically bringing me to this place of brokenness, you know. I know today that going into jail was the the best thing for me. You know, it, it put, you know, it slowed me down a little bit. You know, and through there I decided that I wanted to get sober. And I moved from Binghamton to Utica. I started getting involved in, you know, outpatient treatment and meetings. But still trying to do it my way. Didn't want anything to do with God. You know, that was dumb. <laughs> you know, and, you know, continued to, to push. You know, and eventually relapse and in and out, in and out for years. You know, wondering why I can't figure this stuff out. Why can't I do it? You know, not wanting to do it, sort of want to do it. 
all right, I'm ready to do it. No, I don't want to do it. You know, my mind would flip-flop. You know, and as long as my mind continued to jump around and what I really, really wanted, it was easy for me to get distracted and slip back into old things that I was trying to be free from because I didn't really want to be free from them. You know, what God is trying to expose in them and what God was exposing in me is that my heart is is wicked. My heart is broken. My heart is hard. You know, but what is trying to happen in our lives, what the circumstances that are that, that have brought us here or, or brought us in this direction, God is using those difficult situations to bring us to a place of surrender. You know, I know for me that recovery without God, you know, and not being able to use drugs and alcohol to, to calm myself down led me to a place that I was very suicidal with about five, six months sober. You know, and this is where I got desperate enough to pray for the very first time. You know, many of us have prayed and nothing's happened. But when we're desperate and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray, all of a sudden things begin to switch. Things begin to shift. Things begin to happen. Because we're pointing at God and saying, God, I need you to move, rather than trying to get God to do what I want him to do. There's a complete different way that something happens when we're desperate enough to say, God, something's got to change, and usually that thing that needs to change is us. You know, and I remember praying and praying and praying, you know, every night before I went to bed and nothing happened, and then one day I went to bed one way and woke up a different way. You know, and my eyes were open that there's something to this God stuff. You know, and I remember looking into AA literature and other different books and, and trying to figure out God, you know, and... and at that point, things began to shift for me, but still I wasn't ready to surrender certain areas of my sin. You know, and that's what's going on in them. God, you know, basically, you know, is trying to get them to let go of idols that are hurting them. And because, you know, they don't want to let go of the idols that are hurting him, hurting them, they, he releases them to their own accord. You know, and what ends up happening is they start partnering with these other nations, and these other nations end up turning on them and turning them into slaves. Just like our addictions and our idols have turned us into slaves. You know, it's very similar. You know, so, but God still tells them that he loves them in spite of their failures. You know, how many times has God said to us that he loves us, and we're arguing with him that, no, you can't. I'm not good enough. You can't possibly love me. And, and he's like, no, I love you. And we're like, no, stop it. You know, you might be able to love somebody else, but you can't really love me because I know how sick I am. I know how broken I am. I know all the stuff that I've done. And God's like, yeah, I do too. You know, I know what you've been through. I know what you've done, but I still love you. You know, however, the Israelites continued to accuse God you know, and they objected to his love. And basically it's like, well, how have you loved us? You know, and it's like, you know, you can see it all through scripture, everything that he's trying to do. But in those moments, you know, we can't see it. You know, I watched some of you with your kids and I remember me as being a broken teenager, you know, and saying things that I, I didn't, you know, really mean because I was angry. You know, and you try to love, you know, people and they reject you and they hurt you and they say things to you. Even when your intentions are the best that they possibly can be, you know, 
that when we still want what we want, nothing's ever good enough, is it? You know, but when we get our eyes focused on God, He begins to supply all those things. He's the only one that can satisfy the, the depths of our heart. You know, so they're accusing God as like, well, how have you loved us? Like, they're completely absent-minded to the fact that because they're not getting what they think they should get, they somehow feel that God's not loving them. But God's been providing for them in so many different ways. Bringing them out of, you know, Egypt. Taking them through the, you know, the wilderness. Bringing them into the promised land. Defeating every army that they've ever gone against when they were, you know, worshiping Him and Him alone. You know, providing over and over and over again. Giving them a king. Raising up the kingdom. Defeating all these different armies, you know. But then because of the wickedness that's in their heart, and they wanted to continue to worship idols, things begin to always collapse back upon them. You know, so God's reminding them how graciously He's taking care of them because He chose Jacob, an ancestor, to become the carrier of God's covenant promises. And He reminds them how He chose them that they didn't choose Him. You know, I'm so grateful that Jesus reached into my darkness because I would have never wanted Him. You know, I did not want anything to do with religion. I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. You know, I was trying to figure out God in some aspects because I was trying to use Him to get me sober so that I can continue to live my life my way, you know, just without drugs and alcohol. But really, I just didn't want to go to jail anymore. You know, so if I could have figured out how to use drugs and alcohol successfully without the pain and the consequences that come with that, then I probably never would have got sober. And he knows that. So he allowed me to go through certain things to bring me to this place where I finally was at a place where I had to surrender and I had to choose him or the alternative would have been a lot worse. You know, and he's he's reached into our darkness and brought us out. You know, so God is exposing them for their faithlessness. You know, as they've doubted him and they accuse him and they accuse that he doesn't love them, God continues to expose the real problem, you know, because their hearts are wicked. You know, how often that we think the problem's one thing, and then when we get our eyes on Jesus and he starts to show us what the fear is, what the lie is, what the real truth is, all of a sudden we see, you know, how we're in the middle of it, you know, in our fear and our insecurity and our selfishness and there's sin and there's an idol and there's this or that. They're still kind of lurking and we're like, I'm not looking at that. That's not really there. You know, I'm trying to focus on what I want, you know. And God's like, yeah, let's look at this, you know. God has this way of always constantly showing us what's really going on inside. You know, and God's doing that to them and I'm sure they love it just as much as we do it. You know, but, you know, he says, you know, there's a problem, you know, that even though you accuse me, you know, you're defiling the temple. You neglected the temple, you know, and your defensiveness shows that you aren't really allowing me to show you what's going on. You know, and they're pushing back and they're accusing God and they don't want to, you know, really look at themselves and what the, the real issue is because, They put very little to no effort in building the second temple, you know, and Solomon built this enormous temple that was worth so much and put so much money into it and so much gold and so much timber, 
and they were too busy trying to build their own lives and they'll just get to it later. But they want God to take care of them, but their focus isn't on God at all. You know, so he's exposing this to them and showing them that their shameful, you know, deeds, that what they, their selfish desires are really what's bringing, you know, them to this place. You know, that they do not value or honor God at all. They just want him to do what they want them to do and give them money. You know, and it's it's this way in us sometimes. You know, I watch how people want God to, to you know, give them this or give them that. You know, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, I know God wants me to be happy. And I'm like, where's that scripture? God wants you to follow him and you'll rejoice in that. You know, that our idea of happy is that I'm going to be wealthy and I'm going to have a cute boy or girl. You know, I'm going to have the car that I want. I'm never going to have to struggle with my finances. There's never really going to be a problem that no one's ever going to offend me. That Everyone's just going to listen to me and do what I want. You know, God wants my world to be, you know, the way I want it to be. And Jesus comes along and says, pop, goes our bubble. You know, you know, and Jesus is telling us, like, if you follow me, that you'll be able to rejoice but when you're trying to build your own kingdom it'll always collapse you know so you know he malachi is exposing that it's not just the people it's the priest too from the top to the bottom that everyone is showing how corrupt they are you know so the israelites are still trying to accuse god of neglect you know as god is trying to show them that he loves them and 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 he's doing justice, and he's bringing them back from exile, they're constantly saying, well, what have you done for us? What have you done for me lately, God? You know, and and God's just continuing to take this abuse from them, you know, because of his love. You know, so God, still, he sends this messenger, you know, that God says he will send this messenger to prepare his people for God's personal return on the day of the Lord. You know, and they've heard the day of the Lord, and, you know, and the day of the Lord prior to this has been this reckoning. It's been, you know, God's judgment that God's going to pour out his wrath on the people. But what he is saying is that God's going to send this messenger, and he's personally going to be there. You know, and he's prophesying, you know, the coming of the new Elijah or John the Baptist. And he's also talking about when Jesus is going to come and walk on this earth. That, you know, he will come like fire to purify his people. That he will remove the idolatry, breaking off sexual sexual immorality and injustice. So only the faithful remnant will be left to become his people. And Malachi is, is calling them to repent. You know, because God confronts them in their selfishness because they're still offering, you know, offerings to idols. And they're still giving, you know, sick or blemished lambs to the temple of Yahweh. You know, so their 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 money and their efforts are going towards these idols because they believe that the idols are going to give them what they want, where Yahweh isn't going to give them what they want. So they just kind of like go through the motions of their religiousness. You know, you know, and you know what this is is telling us is that Jesus is going to come and he's going to break off this idolatry. And break off the religiousness and put this fire on the inside of us and purify us and break us free from the, 
you know, the sexual sins of the, the culture, and he's going to break us free from any idolatry that we're still struggling with. <clears throat> you know, and God likes to confront us. You know, doesn't God like speak into those little areas and then we're like, shh, 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 I'm trying to talk to God. And Jesus is like, yeah, but let's look at this. I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to look at that. You know, I don't want you to show me my sin. I don't want to show you to show me how corrupt my heart still is. I don't want you to show me how I'm still wrong. I want you to do what I want you to do. You know, and the Holy Spirit is faithful to get in there and show us what the real motives of what's really going on inside of us is. You know, as we continue to talk to him, you know, he is faithful and just to be an offender. You know, and, you know, he's getting to this point of showing them their greed and their selfishness, you know, because they're continuing to rob from God's temple and give it to many different idols. You know, and he begins to talk to them about their offerings and their tithe. You know, that they, you know, weren't tithing, you know, for God's sake. You know, if they did tithe, they were doing it because they were expecting God to give it back to them. You know, and God's exposing their heart that they're robbing God, you know, and they're, you know, they're, they're acting as if, you know, they're holy, but they're still not doing what you know, God is asking them to do, and God sees it. He sees all of it. There's nothing that they're hiding from him. So God confronts this, and he says, I want to bless you with abundance, but only if you're faithful. You know, and it's interesting, because we want him to bless us with abundance, and then we'll be faithful. And God's asking us to be faithful, and then he'll bless us. But so often we try to be faithful, and then when the, the abundance doesn't come in the time frame that we think it should, then we begin to help God, sort of helping ourselves and going back to, to figuring out how I have to, to do what I need to do. You know, and it's so important that we, you know, are constantly faithful to Him, you know, and we may have some difficult seasons. You know, we may have some times in the valley before we're, you know, jumping from glory to glory on the, on the mountaintops. But what I was taught and what I've learned is that the fruit doesn't grow on the mountaintop. Fruit grows in the valley. You know, the water's in the valley. You know, the good soil's in the valley. You know, and that there's times that we have to go through those valleys because he's breaking off the hardness in our hearts and we're getting back to, you know, to this place of surrender and that God, I need you. And then we, you know, have to climb that hill, climb the mountain, ascend the hill necessarily, you know, that we're, you know, we're fighting the battle, we're grinding, we're not giving up, you know, and all of a sudden God shows up and boom, there's breakthrough, you know, but so often we're trying to to do it our way and we're saying, God, you know, you need to do it my way. And when our way isn't working, then we get mad at God or we turn away from God or we try to figure out some other way to do it. You know, and God is like telling us, if you just surrender and do it this way, you know, you'll see how doors will open and, and you know, things will begin to shift for you and, and how things will start to fall into place and favor will come on your life. You know, favor doesn't come on our lives because of us. Favor comes on our life because of him. 
you know, doors don't open because, you know, we're hip, slip, slick, and cool. Doors open because we surrender to Jesus and believe that his way is better than our own. You know, but as long as I'm still trying to get my will accomplished, you know, and I'm not doing the things that he's asking me to do or not do, you know, I almost tie his hands. You know, I think that he, you know, in his faithfulness to us, in his mercy to us, in his grace to us, he doesn't open those doors because he knows how bad it'll hurt us if we get some of those things that we want, even if they're good things, even if they're like God things. Because if we get them before our character is ready, we won't be able to sustain it and it could send us in a downward spiral. And then we could get really discouraged because we'd, we had it and then we lost it rather than not having it and waiting for it. So God takes us through these challenges and he's confronting us and telling us to be faithful to him, to trust him, to surrender to him and watch how he opens up doors and heals and, and provides and, and does all the things that he promises that he will do. You know, I remember in the very beginning of my journey of working on my sobriety and trying to figure out this God stuff that they used to read the promises out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, in some meetings they still do. And I remember sitting there very clear, you know, I remember it very clearly that when they would read those ninth step promises, I would say that that's not possible. That's never going to happen. That's dumb. That's, you know, and I would see people that generally had, you know, happiness in their life because they were sober. And I would say, oh, it's fake. It's fake. It's not real. You know, and I remember going through, you know, my many ins and outs of the program and finally coming to this place where I had Jesus and Jesus started healing me from the inside out. And I remember one day I, I sat in a meeting and, and I heard it for the first time and it was almost like a checklist of all these things that had already happened because I'd started doing it God's way. They instantly started happening and falling into place. It wasn't something I had to, to, to achieve it was something that God would do in me and through me and around me when I started doing it his way and not my own. You know, and there's all these promises throughout the, you know, the Bible that when we do things his way, all of a sudden things start falling into place. When we're constantly trying to push and manipulate and control and trying to demand and trying to withhold and all these different things, all of a sudden God's like, my hands are tied. Because you're not willing to do it my way, I can't give you what I want to give you because you can't withstand that blessing. You know, so it's important that we realize that the more faithful we are to Him, the more that we're able to live by His word, not that any of us will ever be perfect because we won't. It's impossible because we will never wake up tomorrow and be like, I got this Jesus stuff down. You know, poof, ascend me now. You know, like that's not how this stuff works. You know, that we're constantly getting to our word and seeing that this area of my heart needs to change. This area of my mind needs to be renewed. You know what? I need to work on this. You know what? I need to work on that. You know, the Bible isn't this club that we beat other people with. It's this mirror that we see Jesus, the reflection of Jesus into our own life. And we say, I got work to do. You know, the point is to be more like Christ. You know, and I remember that when that, that light bulb went off in my life, that I stopped trying to get sober. Sober is a symptom of a healthier heart. 
just like addiction is a symptom of a broken heart. You know, I have a pain in my life that I'm not dealing with, and I use drugs and alcohol and porn and gambling and this and that to help me to to satisfy my pain. But when I start letting God into there, realizing that He is the solution to my pain, all of a sudden I don't need these other things. And all of a sudden my healing begins to come from the inside out, where before I was just trying to stuff all of it. <clears throat> You know, so it's so important that we see that God wants to take us on this this journey of healing, but we have to learn that it's His way, not ours. You know, some people say it's worthless to serve Him. You know, that they're they're speaking to Malachi again. He says, you know, it's worthless to serve Him. You know, because their their pride and their wickedness. You know is getting in the way because they don't believe that God is doing anything because God's not doing what they want Him to do, so therefore they're accusing Him of doing nothing. You know, and I remember very clearly back in the day when I was broken that I could not see how God was moving in my life because my focus was not on God. My focus was on myself. You know, and God responds, you know, with this story of faithfulness. You know, that he's talking about this scroll to remember God's character and his promise. These divine gifts of scripture, they point out, they point to us, point out to us to remember what God has done for us in spite of ourselves, that this hope of the future and the day of the Lord, that there will be this remnant, that we can rejoice, that God will bring healing into our lives. And that there is hope for the future. <clears throat> that God, in the midst of it, He's trying to point His people back to getting back into Scripture. You know, that back in the day, anytime that there was a king, that they were supposed to memorize the laws of Moses. And very few of them did it. You know, that they were supposed to, to be, you know, students of the law. They were supposed to be students of Scripture. They were supposed to, to be in the temple and learning from the priests, but very few did it. You know, that they just, you know, they expected God to do what they want Him to do. So they give some worship, you know, they give Him some worship, they give Him some, you know, sacrifices, you know, they give Him a couple offerings. But when God didn't do it the way they thought they would, they just start, you know, reaching out to every idol that they could to get what they thought they wanted. You know, and Malachi is calling them to remember the law, and Scripture is calling us to remember to pay attention to what the Bible is telling us. And then he summarizes, you know, the books of the prophets is calling us to remember that this the prophet of Elijah will come, that he will be sent to this coming day of the Lord. And he will restore the hearts of his people. Now, you know, Malachi is foreseeing, you know, John the Baptist hitting the scene. You know, you know, he's got this vest of, of camel hair and he's eating locusts and honey. And he's wandering through the wilderness telling everybody to repent. You know, and, you know, we're going to get into that next week. But, you know, it's pretty crazy that from this book on, there's this silence. That God just says, you're obviously not going to listen to me. You know, there's times when we're trying to pursue God and we stop. Because he's not giving us what we want. 
And it seems like God went silent. Where did God go? Well, God didn't go anywhere. I went. I decided to do it my way. I decided to run this way. I decided to let this back in. I decided to let this person back in. I decided that, you know, it's not this big deal that I should be pure. I decided, you know, I decided, I decided, I decided. When God was telling us clearly we should do things a certain way, and then it wasn't moving fast enough for us, so we decided I'm going to help him. You know, and then it's like, well, where did God go? God didn't go anywhere. We did. You know, and what was taught to me, you know, many, many years ago, and if I can't hear the voice of God anymore, I need to go back to the last thing I remember him saying and start there. Because that's probably the place that I was rebellious and disobedient, and I got off the path and I started doing my own thing, and he's still waiting for me to do that thing that he asked me to do or not do. And once I get back to that spot and do or don't do that thing, things start to move again. You know, we don't get to dictate, you know, what God's will is. God dictates what God's will is. You know, and if we want God's will and we want God in our lives, there's certain things, according to Scripture, that he's asking us to do or not do. You know, and I can't be in the midst of doing the thing I shouldn't be doing and not doing the thing I should be doing and wonder, hey, God, why aren't you pouring out your blessing upon me? You know, why am I not able to hear your voice? It's like, well, you didn't listen to me the last time or the time before that or the time before that or the time before that that God didn't get quiet necessarily. This is my opinion. It's that God speaks in a still, small voice, right? So we call it a whisper. It's because God's close. He doesn't need to scream. So if God's speaking in a whisper and I can't hear him, did God move or did I? But I can't hear God's whisper anymore is because I went on a hike. And I got to go back to where I remember God whispering to me and say, oh, this is what he said. And then I get back on the path and all of a sudden I hear him again. You know, and one of the things that I've learned that if I'm having a hard time hearing him and I, I can't remember, I, I don't think that I'm off the path as far as something I did or did not do, I need to get into my word. And if I'm not in my word, you know, this is the greatest way to hear his voice is it's coming off the page to us. You know, that we believe that scripture is God's breath, breathed life into us. That it's God's voice that it's been written down for us to hear God. And how many times have we have not picked up our Bible in a while and we flip it open to some random place and we just start reading and it's exactly what we need to hear. You know, so I really encourage you that it's important that we're, you know, reading our word as much as we can. You know, and God's trying to get them to see that Scripture is important that my promises are true, that I for, you know, I'm telling you what's going to happen, you know, but yet I need to be faithful. He's asking them to be faithful. Like, I have it all figured out. Like, he's trying to tell them as clear as day that Jesus is coming. There will be a day that Jesus hits the earth and the Holy Spirit will move, that the fire will be poured out on this, on this place, but you need to repent and be faithful. You know, there's times that we're going to get the breakthrough that we're looking for, but we need to repent and be faithful. 
And we want breakthrough without the repentance or the faithfulness. You know, and something that was taught to me is that if I could get God to do what I want Him to do, that's not the right God. If I can manipulate or control God, then my God's too little. I want a God that gets me to surrender because I am stubborn, I am arrogant, I am prideful, I am rebellious, I don't listen. I want a God that is able to take me and say, no. And I come kicking and screaming. You know, and many, many years ago, he got me to a place where I said, enough. I don't, I'm tired. I don't want to do it this way anymore. You know, it does not mean that I have God's will perfectly figured out, but I know that I don't look or act or sound anything like the man I used to be because of what Jesus has done in my life and what Jesus is doing in our lives, that we are not the people that we once were. But it does not mean that poof, we're, we're better. That means I need more Jesus because the bar is not what we think it is. The bar is Christ's likeness. So if I don't pursue Jesus to become more like him, at some point I plateaued and said, this is good enough. And then all of a sudden when I plateaued, I started going back down the other side of the mountain and I never really reached the peak. You know, and God shows me things in like little pictures. You know, you hear some of them, but to me, this is me driving my own car in a standard. And I'm flying up the hill as fast as I can because, you know, I'm impatient and I want what I want, right? But at some point, I start to enjoy the scenery and I push in the clutch. Like, this is good enough. I'm not in pain anymore. And all of a sudden, that momentum that I had keeps me going for a while. And then all of a sudden, I hit that spot and I start descending because my motor's not engaged. And I don't even realize that I'm going backwards because I'm still looking forward and it, I'm still in the places that I, I, in the new places that I've become accustomed to. But if I'm not chasing Jesus and I'm not engaged and what he wants me to be doing, I find myself coasting right back to where I came from. And I don't want to go there anymore. I'm so sick and tired of that place, that, that place between my ears that's, that's just toxic, that it, it's just vicious. It just never relents. You know, the anxiety and the racing thoughts and the depression and the, the days that I can't get out of bed and the days that I can't sleep. And, and I'm just looking for anything to turn off the noise. God is the only thing that can renew our mind. His word is the only thing that can renew our mind. You know, his presence is the only thing that can heal the hardness of our hearts. You know, and we've tried many different things to find satisfaction or to try to find peace. And we always are left in this place longing for something more. You know, Jesus is the only one that when we press into him for him, and his presence comes, that the tears start flowing, and our heart feels like it's on fire, and we're like, I can't believe that this is real. You know, I had a hard time believing that the Holy Spirit was real, because I've done so many drugs, and I'm like, wait a minute, am I just kind of doing some weird flashbacky thing right now? And the truth of the matter is that God was pure. Like, you know, and it was like... I. I need to know more about this. You know, and I became hungry to learn. 
because God was showing me that he was so much more than religion or rules or going to church on a Sunday, that he was more. You know, and I believe that that's what Malachi is trying to tell them, that there is more, that you guys are just barely going through the motions, and when you don't get what you want, you return back to your old ways. But God has this plan. If you're faithful to him, he's going to show you what he has for you. You know, that Malachi is displaying that through, you know, remembering the law and believing, you know, the the promises through the prophets, he's displaying that the whole Old Testament is one book. You know, that the law and the prophets is really one book. You know, and he points to this future when God will send this new prophet, a new Moses, a new Elijah, who will restore God's people. And the heart, hardness of their hearts will be melted away. And then he points that scripture is this divine gift that we must read and memorize and ponder and pray over. And that it will teach us to tell the truth, the truth of the human condition, which is selfishness and our sin. And that we will announce God's promises. And that one day God would send his messenger to show up to us personally. To confront evil around us and confront the evil that's within us. That he will restore his people and he will restore us. He will restore our families. He will restore our health. He will restore our finances. He will restore your parents. He will restore your children. He will restore fill in the blank. And we have to get our eyes on a God that's big enough to heal us, heal our mind, and heal our lives if we're faithful to him. You know, and for me, this is where when I, you know, realize that I'm powerless over everything, and anytime I'm trying to manipulate or control or manage my life, I go out of control. You know, that anytime that I'm still trying to manage and do it my way, I become powerless and everything starts to fall apart. And see, I have to come to believe that a God can restore not only my sanity, but every aspect of my life, and that's Jesus Christ. That He's his love for me, he wants to restore me. But we have to do it his way. We can't restore ourselves, because if we could, we'd never have turned to Jesus. So he's trying to show us that if you do it my way, I will restore your mind, I will restore your life, I will give you the power, and that you won't have to try to control and manage anymore, because if you live by my word, he gives us direct path onto his will. You know, And see, this for me is a God that I can surrender my will to. You know... Other than that, I'm still trying to manipulate and get what I want. I'm not really ever really surrendering my will to God because any time that something happens that I don't like, I just take it right back. And I go back to the shoots and ladders aspect. I go back to being powerless, and I'm trying to manage again, and I wonder why everything's so crazy. But I have to surrender again, repent, turn over to Jesus, believe that he can restore and turn my will over on a regular basis. It could be a thousand times during a day. You know, it's not a one time I surrendered my will. I'm stubborn. I don't know about you guys. You know, I can take my will back a thousand times before lunch. 
You know what I mean? Because if I want what I want, I'll manipulate and manage and find scripture and you know, it's God's will. You know, and it's like, and next thing you know, everything's falling apart. And like, oh, God, I thought that was you. I knew, I knew that that was not God. But I was trying to get my will accomplished so much, and I knew that He wanted me to be happy. No, He wants me to be faithful. And when I'm faithful to Him, I will rejoice in His will. Happiness is, may not be a part of that. However, I do believe that He gives us peace, He gives us joy, and He gives us love beyond our understanding. And to me, that dictates what happiness really is. But I find that in Him and Him alone. Anytime that I try to find that in the world or a person, I am brought to this place where I realize that it's never enough. You know, that he has this promise for us. That he will restore his people. And that he will bring a healing justice. You know, that sin drives us crazy. And we have to come to this understanding that I need to repent. You know, and God will forgive us. Boom, forgiven. Hard part is forgiving ourselves sometimes. And I have to bring that back to him and say, Jesus, I need help. I don't know how to forgive myself. Because my pride knows better. And yet I did it anyway because I let my emotions lead the show. You know, and then it's like I'm having this fight with God, but really I'm just fighting with myself. Because I want freedom, but yet I don't deserve freedom. And I want freedom, but yet I don't deserve freedom. And I want freedom, but yet I don't deserve freedom. And I want freedom, but yet I don't deserve freedom. And the only way to stop that cycle is believe that God's way is bigger than ours. That His His will, His forgiveness, His mercy, His grace is better than anything that we could give ourselves. And when we believe that, the double-mindedness from flip-flopping goes back, you know, gets broken off, and we choose... His way is better. His word is true. His love is pure. His forgiveness is ultimate. You know, and all of a sudden we begin to receive that. Where before I wouldn't allow myself to receive it because my brain kept telling me I don't deserve it. Well, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Neither do you. We don't deserve it. So you're right. So am I. We don't deserve it. But yet he gave it to us anyway. Because if it was about us deserving it, then somehow we could earn it. And we can't earn it. And it helps us to let go and trust that His ways are better and far beyond our understanding. So I just I just want you guys to leave here with hope. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, that if we are faithful to Him, that He will guide us through it. It may look ugly for a minute. You know, it may take longer than we'd hoped, but he is faithful. Would you just bow your heads with us? Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I ask that you would move in each and every one of our lives, Lord. I pray first and foremost that we would get our eyes fixed on you. That if there's anything that we really truly need to repent of, that we would allow you into that area. And we would ask for forgiveness and we'd ask for your strength and we'd ask for your guidance. Lord, and I pray that we would let other people into that situation and that we would get accountable to someone, Lord, and that we would ask for your help and ask for someone's help to find freedom in an area that is crippling us. Lord, but as we're faithful to you, as we get into your word, we begin to see your love message to us. 
Help us, Lord, to grow and to change into the men and women you've called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Many, many, many.